Sal Berry, and Tim Parrish. This is the Puck Junk Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Puck Junk Hockey Podcast. I'm Sal Berry and with me is Tim Parrish. And today we are going to ask and hopefully answer the question, does changing teams affect player collecting? Meaning, do collectors who collect a certain player stop collecting that player when they no longer play on that collector's favorite team? We'll talk about some other things as well. Tim, what's going on, man? Oh, you know, just uh, trying to find what the latest trend is to jump on the bandwagon for and uh, try not to fall off. Is it NFTs? Yeah, I was thinking so. I heard about those. I heard that's is, a hot thing now. And is it, is it Pogs? Probably get in on the ground floor of the new Pog NFTs that they have. NFPs. Oh, yes. Non-fungible uh, Pogs. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm surprised it hasn't happened by now. I, you know, I once put out on Twitter, and I don't think anybody found this funny. I thought it was hilarious, but I put NFTs are the pogs of now. And, like, people are like, no, they're different. NFTs are digital and pogs aren't digital. And I'm like, you're missing my point. Never mind. Yeah. You know what? I have a couple NHL pogs, I think. I believe I have the blockchain for those, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> I'll, have to, I'll have to double check. Now, there were two sets of, well, there were a few sets of Pogs put out, but there were a couple sets put out by Canada Games in the mid-90s. I have the first one. I want to say it's 94, 95. I don't have the second set. I think they put out two sets. But then there were a couple of other Pog sets that were like 10 or 20. Like, I think there was a set of Gretzky Pogs or something like that. Though they might have been called Milk Caps, but same difference. I have a couple of Bill Guerin ones, I think, and maybe a penguin or two but i don't think i have that many yeah wasn't my thing nah no uh, pet rocks just kidding i didn't have those either pet, garbage field kids though those i was all about yeah you either loved them or you hated them i didn't really like them i thought they were gross like the first series were kind of fun, but then it's just like, oh, here's a little Cabbage Patch doll with like a nail through its hand or something. And I'm just like, wow, that looks terrible. I, I never liked the gross out humor. So <laughs> I mean, that. garbage pale kids are nothing more than just taking body horror and making it cute. Oh, yeah. All right, let's talk some hockey cards. So a couple of quick announcements I just want to get out of the way. 2122. Skybox Metal Universe hockey cards came out last week. Also, what just came out was uh, 22-23 Upper Deck Series 1 hockey collector tins. So Series 1 has been out for a while, but the collector tins are now showing up at retail. Those are eight packs for $30, plus a bonus pack of OPG Glossy. And if you remember the last year or two of OPG Glossy, there was a bronze version there was a silver version and there was a gold version, though most people couldn't tell the difference between the gold version and the bronze versions because you looked at one and said, oh, that could be the gold version or that could be the bronze version. I'm not sure. You know what I mean? Like this one looks kind of yellow brown and this one looks kind of brown yellow and, and whatever. But if you want some more rookie cards, you get a, a three card pack of, of Opeachy glossy rookies. 
they announced a tentative release date for artifacts for 22-23 artifacts. That'll be January 25th of 2023, two days before my birthday. So if you're looking to get me a birthday present in time, you can get me a box of artifacts. And in game-dated moments, they came out with five cards of Team Canada players, including Connor Bedard, that are available, well, as of this recording at UpperDeckEPAC.com for the princely sum of $5.99 each. And there are silver and gold and probably chartreuse versions of the cards as well. Maybe not chartreuse, but definitely silver and gold. Silver, gold, and then there's a photo variant. Oh, that's nice. It's like a sideways horizontal picture. Oh, okay. Yeah, you know, I bought some e-packs of, uh, what did I buy? I bought the Ovechkin Hits 800 Goals. I bought that from a couple weeks back. But then I also bought some of the PHF All-Star Captain cards that they came out with like a year ago. And yeah. I think I got to get those eventually. I think I, I think they're still in digital limbo. Uh, no, they actually made them because I cashed out my EPAC list of ones that I wanted to send to myself. And those were in there. No, no. I mean, they're mine are just in digital limbo. I don't have them in hand yet. Oh, I got you. They're so they, I can't remember if I transferred them to ComC, but I had every intentions of getting them. And in the big news last week, Upper Deck announced that they're giving away a set of cards called First People's Rookie Cards. And these cards feature eight indigenous NHL players who did not have rookie cards during their NHL career or after their NHL career. So so there's a set of eight cards that are coming out later this year. And I saw that and I'm like, wow, this is cool for two reasons. It's focusing on a group of people that doesn't get a lot of attention. And it's making some freaking hockey cards of guys who never got hockey cards. And that's awesome. I mean, both of those are awesome. So I was excited about this. Well, and the other good thing about it is uh, it gives a, a brief, albeit long overdue, kind of introduction to that community and the the whole set was pretty much designed by the community bringing in input from the various you know players and people so it's kind of cool the players on that list so they've got shockingly enough two penguin players in the checklist you've got uh, dan frawley and william lacane both Mm -hmm. uh in penguins uh garb you know, Frawley also was a Blackhawk for a few games, like 30, 33 games, something like that. But he played the bulk of it with uh, the Penguins. And William McCain had four games as a Penguin. But they also have Johnny Harms uh, from the Blackhawks, uh, Danny Hodgson from the Maple Leafs, uh, Victor Mercredi from the Atlanta Flames. Uh, so there's a, another throwback to a team that no longer exists. Uh, Rocky Trottier is uh, shown when in Devil's uniform. You got Ted Nolan. A lot of hockey fans would be familiar with Ted Nolan as a Detroit Red Wing. And then Jason Simon in a Phoenix Coyotes uniform. That's the checklist. Really quick, as you mentioned, Jason Simon was going to be pictured as a Phoenix Coyote. Yeah, actually, he's pictured as a devil. So he's pictured from his draft photo. So even though he did play with the Coyotes and the Islanders, they decided to use a photo of him 
in a Devils uniform when he got drafted by the Devils. Oh, well, that's interesting. They tagged the checklist with him as a Coyote. Yeah, I mean, as long as uh, they didn't show a player in an airbrushed uniform of a team they didn't play on ever, I think we're good. Yeah, that's true. Although, you know what? I think it would have been a total hoot if Dan Frawley was pictured as a Blackhawk, because technically when he was a rookie in the league, he played for the Blackhawks, and it's a rookie card. You know, it's coming out 30-ish years after his last game. But, uh, that yeah, that was a, a pretty big oversight that he never got a card, considering that he was a pretty consistent player with the Penguins for a few seasons and I believe was their last team captain before Super Mario. You had him from 85, the 85-86 season up through 88-89. And those first two years, I think he played like 70 games, 69 games, and then 78 games. And then he played right around 45-50 the other two years. But, I mean, still, he was a contributor. And, I mean, if those that may remember, he was uh, – Known to not be too afraid to drop the mitts. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, wasn't um, always the best player on the ice. I think his, I think his first year on the Penguins, he was like a minus nineteen, but uh, he did put in twenty one points. So, I think everybody that year on the Penguins was like a minus nineteen. Yeah, I mean, it is what it is. But once Mario got there, I mean, everybody got points. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but the Penguins were still a losing team for the first few years. I mean, they didn't really. Oh, yeah. They had to build something around them. I mean, nobody nobody can be a superstar on their own without some support. Right. So anyway, very cool that these cards are coming out. I love small sets like that. I love the fact that it's focusing on players who, you know, aren't spotlighted and also that players that didn't have cards. So very cool. And like you said, gives you a couple more Penguins to collect. Gives me a couple Blackhawks or one Blackhawk to add to my Blackhawk collection. Though I'm going to try to get the full set some way, somehow. Because, again, I like small sets like that. So, should we talk about our big topic? We can go on to that. That's fine. All right. So, one thing that I've wondered about, and one thing that Tim and I have talked about in the past, is when a player changes teams, does that affect that player's collectability? Now, collectability is a very subjective term. Because cards that are collectible to somebody are not collectible to somebody else. Cards that are collectible to a lot of people at once have more, quote-unquote, value, right? That's the whole thing, right? If nobody cares, nobody's going to buy it, nobody wants it, it's low collectability, usually low value or low price. I mean, there's going to be exceptions, of course. but And we don't really talk about value, but I'm talking about value as something worth saving, right? So I always wonder... You like this player, he plays on your favorite team, then he changes teams. Do you still collect that player? Do you still not collect that player? Do you collect the player, but maybe not with him on certain teams? Or, you know, if a player from another team comes to your team, do you collect that player, his prior stuff? So, like, let me give a couple of examples just to, like, clarify a little bit, because I feel like I'm tripping over my words. Say like Marion Hosa coming to the Blackhawks. You know, I see a lot of people who collect Hosa's cards. They're really interested in his cards as a Blackhawk or maybe his rookie card. 
but not really any of the other Senators cards or Thrasher's cards or Penguin's cards or Red Wings cards, unless they're like a super collector or if that's like their very favorite player, right? Like I've sold like Patrick Sharp cards, but nobody really wants his cards when he's with the Dallas Stars. You know, say like Bobby Orr, pictured as a Blackhawk. You know, if somebody's building a 77, 78 Opeachy set, yeah, they're going to want that card. But, you know, how would a Bruins fan feel about that, right? Probably not as fond of like, oh, well, it's Bobby Orr and I got to collect it because he's one of my favorite players or he's one of our all-time greats. It's like, oh, he's in this other uniform of a team that I don't like. Uh, And then with like modern players. And I think why I want to talk about this with modern players especially with modern players, is because players change teams a lot more. Back in the 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s, players didn't have really freedom over their careers. It was very hard for them to change teams. They would get traded, but they couldn't really sign as a free agent. Now you have players who could become group three free agents by what, like 29 or 30 or whenever that third contract kicks in, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. So I guess the thing is, is now you can have a guy, like, uh, look at the perfect example, Phil Kessel. He's been on, what, five or six teams or so, it seems. But if he played in the 80s, he might have just played on one team his entire career and then, like, another team for two seasons instead of, like, bouncing around the league. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean that in a, you know, I mean, he's gainfully employed and he's the Iron Man. So obviously everybody wants him to play. But Phil Kessel was a player on the 80s. In the 80s, you know, he would have been probably a Bruin and then maybe in a blockbuster trade or maybe at the end of his career, he would have gone and signed with like the San Jose Sharks or something, just to give an example. Anyway, that's the question. So now we're going to discuss the answer. Yeah, and I think there's there's multiple schools of thought here. So if we're going to only focus on modern players, what is going to be our criteria here discussing modern? Like, Oh, no, 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 no. I don't current want to focus. era? I don't want to, that, yeah. I, I, yeah. Modern, post-expansion, right? <laughs> or post-forward pass or post two line pass. I don't, I don't know. Right. Okay. If, I mean, if we're breaking it down, if we're not talking about like the old school guys, like from the seventies. No, it, we should talk about those guys. Okay. Then if we're not limiting it, first thing I look at when I try to answer this question, mega superstars are immune. Yes. So you're Wayne Gretzky's. Mm-hmm. I can think of three examples. Gretzky's I, one of them. I would say I was going to say Lemieux too, but he never changed teams. He never but changed Patrick, teams. Patrick Waugh would be another one. Mm-hmm. And maybe to a lesser extent, Yarmir Yager. Um, I guess Yager, but I'd say Gordy Howe. Yeah, I mean, you did have cards later in his career with the Whalers. The Arrows and the Whalers, and I think yeah, people and the would... Arrows. People still seek those out fairly frequently, and they're a highly collected card simply for the fact that, you know, we're essentially talking about Mount Rushmore players when Mm -hmm. it comes to those. I think those types of players, those iconic players that transcend and are, to use the term that we use too much, generational players, I think they transcend that. 
you know, if McDavid goes and plays somewhere else, people are going to still want McDavid cards. Right. But there's an important thing to point out about Gretzky and Wah, because I kind of found parallels in both of them, both with collecting and their careers. Gretzky won championships and set records as an oiler. Gretzky broke records as a member of the Kings. So those two eras are kind of pretty big in his career, right? His Kings era and his Oilers era. The Blues career was all of five minutes or 15 games or whatever. And then, you know, by the Rangers, he was kind of like the elder statesman of the league and everybody loved Gretzky. And he played on New York, so in the Rangers. So, I mean, he couldn't really have picked a better team to end his career with. But Gretzky's first half of his career was accomplished his second half of his career was accomplished. Look at Patrick Waugh and look, think of that dividing line as with the Canadians and with the Avalanche. He was equally as successful with both teams. Now, you might argue, oh, well, he had more wins with this team or he had more Vezinas with that team or whatever, but he had two cups with the Canadians. He had two cups with the Avalanche. You can like him as an Avs player or as a Canadians player. Now, compare that to Martin Brodeur and his seven minutes with the St. Louis Blues, right? I don't think anybody really wants a Martin Broder card where he's with the Blues, except a Broder super collector. But if you pulled the patch card... Exactly. Unless you you're a super collector, card, you wouldn't even know he had cards on the Blues. Right. Right. If you pulled a patch card of Broder and it had a piece of a, a Blues jersey, you'd probably be like, ah. Most people would be like, when did he ever wear this color? Right. When did the Devils wear blue? Yeah, and the, but that brings up another, the whole other question of, you know, as you get later in the waning years of some of these guys' careers to where the teams are like, well, we can do one of two things here. You can either sign for way less money and stay here and take our less role in the team, or you can leave and go somewhere else and whatever. And a lot of guys do that because they think they can still play. And I don't blame them. But then you end up having, you know, a Hall of Fame type player that, oh, yeah, he did play five games for whatever team at the end of his career. Or you end up with all these different cards in the early to mid 2000s of like superstar players. And you see them in these jerseys and you're like, what like mike madonna as a as a red wing mm -hmm. like does anybody remember that i don't did he get in a game maybe i have no idea like every time i see doug gilmore as a blackhawk it <laughs> just, i'm like what like that doesn't make sense to me so i mean you have all that the only reason why i bring up yager is yager is very collectible he still hasn't retired obviously I don't know if you saw the highlight the other day, but he had a crazy almost end-to-end. -end, he got he got stopped. He almost scored, but he mm -hmm. blew through like the, the opposing team's defense and deked out a couple players all in one play. I was like, wow, that was like 1998 Yaramir Yager. But, uh, you know, he's mostly known as a penguin. You know, everybody knows that he got dealt to the Capitals for a bag of rusty nails. And didn't pan out. But he was pretty decent on the Rangers after that. And then, you know, the obviously the lockout happened. So he went back to Europe. So his world tour of the NHL, when he finally decided to come back, had him bouncing around from team to team to team, sometimes multiple times in the same season.
So it's like, you know, is there a big market for Yager in a Flyers jersey or in a Dallas Stars jersey or dressed as a flame or a devil or, you know, a Florida Panther or any of those things? I don't know, maybe. But, you know, early on in his career where the bulk of it's played, I think that's where most of people is. I've met plenty of people that collect Mark Messier cards. They don't talk about his time with the Canucks. It's either Oilers or Rangers. That's it. It's all it should have been, Oilers or Rangers. Well, woulda, shoulda, coulda. It doesn't really matter. That's the reality of it. And, you know, as long as they've made hockey cards, well, they exist. So, you know, look, the two schools of thought here. On one side, you're, let's say we're just talking about PC-type collectors, right? This is your personal collection. And it's based off of a player or it's based off of a team, sometimes both. If you're a player collector, you probably have some type of opinion about that player or some type of feeling about that player. He may or may not play for your favorite team, but that feeling keeps you collecting their cards. Like, you may look up to them. You may think they were great. You may think they're a nice guy. Whatever it may be, you followed their career. You decided to invest your effort in collecting their cards. I think it matters less to you what team they're on as long as they're still in existence and still out there playing versus a strictly team-based collector that's more team-oriented rather than player-oriented. So players come and go, but your team is still your team. So you may really like, you know, Bill Smith playing on your team, but if Bill Smith goes and plays for a different team, you may only keep the Bill Smith cards when he played on your team and not go after Bill Smith cards later on. Even though you like him, but you don't like him like him. We're talking about Billy Smith of the Islanders? Sure, we could. <laughs> but I'm just or is saying. Bill just, Smith, just some generic it's name. Just you some made generic, up? It's some generic Midwestern name that I just made up and decided to throw that in there. But you know what I'm saying? You have, for a lot of people, the team is more important than the player. And players don't necessarily rise above the team unless it's, you know, that guy you go after. I mean, here, I can use myself as an example. I'm a Penguins team collector. I collect players on the Penguins. And if they're Penguin cards, and I have checklists for Penguin cards for every year and every manufacturer and everything else, and I build my team sets based off of that. I also collect Bill Guerin cards. Do I focus only on the Bill Guerin cards when he was on the Penguins? No, because my collection would be like 12 cards. Right. And I'd be done. I liked him before he was on the Penguins. I liked him after he retired. I still like him. I continue to collect his cards, and I always have. Really, the team doesn't matter. It it kind of transcends, you know, what that is because I'm more on board with him as a player versus not. So if he changed to a different team, which he did multiple times, he was a Devil, he was an Oiler, he was a Bruin. He was a star. 
He was a penguin. He was a shark. He was an Islander. Forgot about that one. So he played for all these different teams, but it didn't matter. As long as he still had cards to collect, I went after them. One thing that I find interesting, I know you talked about having to compete with other collectors for certain Garen cards, where you were like, well, yeah, I bid up to 50 bucks on this card, and it went for like $180. And you're like, I can't believe that a Bill Garen card would go for that much. But the thing is, is that he had stints with the Penguins and the Oilers and the Devils, I mean, among other teams, but those are like probably the three teams he had a lot of success with, right? And the Bruins. And the Bruins, right. Okay, so four kind teams. Kind of the Stars, and, too. So. But those four teams are pretty well-collected teams. You know yes. what I mean? Yes. So he goes and he plays with the Bruins, and Bruins collectors are going to be like, ah, I want his other cards, even though he's not pictured as a Bruin. And Oiler collectors are going to do the same thing. They're going to say, oh, I want his cards, even though he's not pictured as an Oiler, because he was with my team long enough that he was impactful. So then that kind of gives you a little competition that you might not have if he only played on your favorite team or if he played mostly on your favorite team. And then, you know, the last year was like a whimper with, say, like the Islanders or the Hurricanes or a team that's not as widely collected. I see what you're saying as well. And I think that goes kind of back to my point is because I decided that I am going to collect his cards. It doesn't matter what team he's on. I'm going to go after them versus I really, really liked Brooks Orpik. Brooks Orpik was one of my favorite players. I like stay-at-home style defensemen. I loved Orpik when he was on the Penguins. And I had a minuscule but fairly substantial Brooks Orpik player collection that I was putting together. And then... He signed with the Capitals. And I no longer made it a priority to get Brooks or pick cards. Now, if they're him as a penguin and I don't have the card, then of course I'll still get it because that's more of a team thing. But I don't collect it as it's a Brooks or pick card. I collect it as it's a penguin card. You see what I'm saying? But How even the, if he's not pictured as a penguin, I wouldn't go after it. Right. A lot of teams. So that's where the team transcends the player. Right. So, like, my loyalty lies with my team rather than with the player itself. Do I have Yager cards of him as a a million other players? Yes, absolutely I do. But as my primary focus on the ones of him as a Penguin? Absolutely. So, you know, that's, that's where, like, it all depends on your intensity level of your collection. I guess that's the best way to describe it. What is your intensity level towards this person? Because... We had a lot of people, when we threw these out on social media, we had a lot of people respond. There's mostly those two ways of thinking. It's, I'm a team first person, or I'm a player first person. And, or I'm a player person as long as they play for my team. And if they don't play for my team, then they're dead to me. That response popped up a lot. But I think the one thing that a lot of people go back to is when you have, Let's say, for instance, you bring up me having to compete with other Bill Guerin collectors, not because they're collecting Bill Guerin per se, but maybe they're collecting that team. Mm -hmm. So let's take a perfect example this season, right? Johnny Hockey leaves Calgary, which 
Canadian market, albeit not the biggest one, but it's one half of the Battle of Alberta, storied franchise, huge fan base, leaves and goes to play for Columbus. The team that less than a season beforehand, people were constantly talking about, players don't want to play there, no one wants to go there. It's like purgatory for NHL players. He decides to sign there. What type of market do you have for Flames versus Blue Jackets? Oh, yeah, night and day. Night and freaking day. Easily. Uh, And it reflected in some card pricing because you had, on one hand, it's still Johnny Gaudreau, right? mm -hmm. He's still the same guy. He's still the same player. His stats are still the same as they were yesterday when he wore the red and yellow and today when he wears the red, white, and blue. That didn't matter. What matters is he's no longer in that market. He's no longer on that team. So you have all the diehards that are all about the flames. Like, well, this guy's dead to me. He went somewhere else. I'm not going to collect his cards anymore. And heck, even some of the ones that I have, I'm going to sell them. Well, I'll give you like one quick uh, example. Somebody said this on Twitter, Ryan Darcy, who's on Twitter at Ryan Darcy 22 said my six-year-old given up on being really excited about Johnny Goudreau cards when he was a flame. Hell yes. But now, nope. So that's a six-year-old collector. Six-year-old, 65-year-old. I mean, it's the same, it's the same mind frame. It's the same mm-hmm. way of thinking. You know, as a fan, you take things personally, right? All fans do. Oh, yeah, because a little too much. Your, yeah, your team is your team. And whatever your team does that you don't like, you take that as a personal front against you. And it really has nothing to do with that. I mean, it absolutely has nothing to do with that. But I kind of had the same thing. JK, CBJ Flex on Twitter, he was like, you know, basically 100% yes on the fact that free agency or trades make a big difference. He said he sold a lot of Columbus Blue Jacket players at profit once they left the Blue Jackets. So he sees that as a benefit of being a collector of a small market team because you can snatch up all those cards pretty cheap. And then when these guys go somewhere else and become a more of a high profile player, you can sell them for more, make a couple bucks off of it. I was like, counterpoint. What about a player that arrives in Ohio? Like, for instance, this. And his comment was, let's just say I could afford to buy a Johnny Hockey Young Gun Acetate once he showed up in Columbus. So there you go. I mean, if you're hedging all your bets, though, I know we're not necessarily talking about investment, the I word, but like, oh, I'll buy all the these cards of players who are with Columbus and then hope that they get traded. I mean, and then get traded to like the Maple Leafs or something. And then people will want their cards. Like just another thing I want to throw out about Johnny hockey, just as long as we're on that topic at Travis Thompson on Twitter said, I have a nice Goudreau auto and Kachuk auto, but now that they're gone, I'm not getting any more of their cards. I'd probably sell them for the right price too. So he has these autographs and he says they're nice cards, but now that they're gone, he's kind of like, eh, I'd sell them 
I'm not really attached to him anymore. It doesn't feel like he wants to keep those cards are no longer as important. And I mean, there's no right or wrong answer, but you have some people who are just like, eh, they're not on the team anymore. I don't care. Or you have other people who say, well, I just like their cards when they're on the team and I stopped collecting them up to that point. And other people say, yeah, I collect this player. So I'm going to collect every card regardless of the team. Most people know Burry Fanatic 10, right? Because he's probably one of the biggest Pavel Burry collectors that I know of out yes. there on social media. And, you know, his whole thing was 90% of the Burry collectors that he knows of only collect him as a Canuck wearing a Canuck sweater. They don't care about him as a Panther, or as a Ranger. You know, the super collectors obviously are in the 10% of that, but those that maybe casually collect or whatever. You know, that's what he's kind of known for. So that's where they pick up his cards. And I get it. It makes sense. I understand it. You know, if you're not a super collector and you're going to devote this quarter of your collection to just this guy and just amass as much stuff like your own little personal, you know, voodoo worshiping shrine, like some of us do, then really what's what's the incentive? You know, go after the stuff that you like. Here's the guy. He's playing for your favorite team. He plays there for five years. There's five years worth of cards out there to get. Okay, stick with that if that's what you like. Or you really remember this guy in the one season he played for your team. Okay, there you go. He might be known for playing the next 12 years for a different team and winning Stanley Cups. But you know him for that one year that he played for your team. And that might be what, you know, what you shoot for. You know, like you said, there's no right or wrong answer on how to do this. But I think to answer the overall question there, you know, which, which boils the back to what we're what we're trying to say, you know, these free agency moves and these trades absolutely do affect a player's collectability because it's really going to depend on the popularity of the player themselves, their skill ability to be able to transcend above what the casual fan would, I guess, covet when it comes to a player. And three, just where do they go? And I think you could probably even add a fourth in there too. And that's the circumstances of their departure. Oh yeah, right. Exactly. If it's like a, a John Tavares thing where you're like, I'm going to resign with the Islanders and then he becomes a free agent. And it's like, bye. And then off to Toronto. Yeah. That yeah, not and, sit well with. and I mean, you've said it before, you know, you go to shows and you set up and, you know, do you deal cards and stuff like that? And so you've told me before you had a bunch of Johnny T stuff and it just kind of sat because it's all rookie stuff and it's him wearing an Islanders uniform. Well, when I did the national in Atlantic City, I could not sell an Islanders card to save my life. I mean, I, I get maybe it was too far. I think Clemente said it was too far from Long Island. I don't really know the geography of the New York, New Jersey area, but yeah, it's outside that general market. Yeah, but it's still the national. So you think that at least there would have been like one Islanders fan. I mean, I had a really nice Mike Bossy autograph that nobody wanted. I had a really nice John Tavares autograph that nobody wanted. I had a really nice Pat LaFontaine autograph that nobody wanted. See a trend here? Yeah. I had somebody comment. Big Turk 21. He said, I think it really depends on the switch. Tavares cards went nuts when he left the island for Toronto. 
And I totally see that. And I agree with that. Not that New York is a small market by any means. It absolutely is not. Right. But when, when you go from the second, maybe third most popular team in your own metro area to basically the center of the hockey universe, you have instant exposure, like instant exposure. You're on TV every day. The media is talking about your team and you every day. There's microphones shoved in your face every day. So it makes a huge, huge difference on the ability to boost your popularity. So I could see that. Now, why people still wouldn't try to pick up Johnny T rookies in an Islanders uniform, that I don't understand. No, what I was selling of his was an autographed card. Oh, well, even that. The Islander fans were like, or the Islander fans, I mean, there were Islander fans. I just didn't sell them anything, but they're like, uh, he's with the Maple Leafs now. I don't want that card. And then there was like a Maple Leafs collector. And I'm like, hey, I got this really nice John Tavares autograph. And it was a black diamond card. So it's like a black and white photo. It's not like a color photo where you'd see like the orange just at a glance. It could be any uniform because they think it's like kind of like a chest up portrait. And uh, he's like, oh, but he's with the Islanders. And I'm like, yeah, but he's on the Maple Leafs now. And you can't really see the Islanders logo. And it's still his autograph. But yeah, just funny how that works. It's like I own two cards autographed by Bobby Orr. One of the cards pictures him as a Bruins player. The other card pictures him as a Blackhawks player. I know if I put him up for sale, which I'm not going to do. But if I put them both up for sale, which one would sell first? Probably the Bruins card. I mean, the Come Bruins on, don't be devil's probably. advocate here. It was, it was a re- almost a rhetorical question. I mean, you don't really need a degree in anything to figure that one out. <laughs> when I got the card of him as a Blackhawk, I was actually like, oh, this is cool. Because he played for the Blackhawks. Didn't play a lot of games. It was like 20-something games. And it's definitely a black eye on hockey and, you know, how his career went down because he only became a member of the Blackhawks because his agent, Alan Eagleson, lied to him about the terms of the contract. So as a Blackhawks fan, I'm like, oh, yeah, Bobby Orr should have finished his career with the Bruins. That's not even a question, not even like, oh, yeah, he played for my favorite team. So I couldn't really see any self-respecting Bruins fan wanting a Bobby Orr card where he's pictured as a Blackhawk. Although I will tell you this, one card that I paid a lot of money for, because I had to have it, was a Blackhawks team-issued postcard of Bobby Orr in a Blackhawks jersey that they printed because they signed him, and so they had to have something with him pictured in a Hawks jersey. And I want to say I paid like $70, $80 for it. And that was like one of my grails, but I really wanted this damn postcard. So even though he was pictured in a Blackhawks jersey, it was still Bobby Orr. It was still kind of a harder to find team issued collectible. And the price at the time, this was pre-pandemic, uh, adjusted accordingly or went up accordingly. He was still over a point per game guy with, with Chicago. Mm-hmm. So... That's an all-time great if you average over a point per game. Granted, he only played 26 games, but right. still. <laughs> okay, like, well. I guess it still qualifies as great, right? Yeah. It's more points than I have. Yeah. I'm going to just read a few of the tweets. 
Twitter user at Comrade Jackal says IPC Tyler Toffoli. Because I dislike both Montreal and Calgary, I focus on cards where he's a king. There's enough to keep me busy for many years. Exception was the artifacts rainbow I put together with him on Vancouver. Okay, so he really wanted that rainbow. So he went after that. Another Twitter user, Tyler, who's at Punk Rock and Hockey, says, I'm still collecting Brandon Hagel. As long as he still has cards, I'm still collecting them. Reg Rants at Rants Reg. If I PC a player, I collect them, period. All stops along their career. Finances are the only control factor in my collecting practices. Got to remember, they are only hockey cards. And one other one I'll read right now. Joshua Wong, who's at jwonger7, says, personally, I would. If I like them as a player, meaning I would still collect them if they change teams. If I like them because they were on a specific team, then I'd stop after they leave. So <laughs> that's kind of like six of one, half dozen of another, but that's okay. Like if I like them, I'd keep collecting them. And if I didn't like them that much, then I wouldn't collect them. Eh, that's okay. You know, I didn't have to make that decision. My favorite player, Chris Chelios, when he was traded from the Blackhawks to the Red Wings, I was at the height of my non-card collecting years. That was 1999. I was an action figure collector, like hardcore then, like Star Wars figures were like my thing. Star Wars and starting lineup hockey, those were like the two things I was chasing after around that point. So I wasn't like, oh, am I going to collect them as a Red Wing? I wasn't even collecting cards at the time. So I was just like, I was pissed off about the trade, but it didn't really affect me as a collector. And I'll give you one example, though, of a player that I stopped collecting when he got traded. Jeff Skinner. I amassed a nice little collection of just his rookie cards. I just wanted his rookie card. Any card from 10-11. So if it was a hockey card day card, if it was like a Panini National Redemption card, if it was some card, as long as it came out either in 2010-11, his rookie year, or that summer of 2011, because that still kind of counted that as part of his rookie year, I collected his cards. I had some autographs. I had like a Black Diamond rookie. I had a couple of Young Guns. I had a couple of autographs. I pulled a, uh, an autograph at the National in Chicago that year. And then once he got traded to the Buffalo Sabres, I was just like, eh, the Sabres kind of suck. I mean, now they're doing good, but I was just like, eh, I just wasn't feeling it anymore. So I went and I traded some of the cards away to Hurricanes fans who wanted the cards. And now I kind of like, eh, I wish I didn't do that because now he's doing pretty good. And if, if Buffalo becomes a great team, those are going to be good cards to have. But at that time, I was just like, yeah, I'm not interested. Same with Shea Weber. I was collecting his rookie cards because, you know, he had a lot of rookie cards in 06, 07. And then I was also collecting, like, autograph cards of his, like, if they were cheap. And then once he left the Preds, I know Montreal's a more collectible team, but I liked him as a member of the Predators for some reason. And I think once he changed teams, I kind of lost interest. And then that was when I stopped collecting Shea Weber cards. It's funny you bring that one up. That's another one of those trades where people were all on board with P.K. Subban. Like... They were all over his cards back in the early days. Mm -hmm. Once that trade went down and he went to Nashville, other than winning the Norris Trophy, which nobody seems to care about anymore, <laughs> nobody talked about. 
he never came up in conversation and it's like he disappeared into the ether and that was one of those kind of weird things i was going to ask you what we hear this all the time as fans you hear the media talk about you know oh this guy could potentially leave and go somewhere else i mean you as a blackhawk fan you probably have to hear this every day about you know taze and kane leaving the hawks because they don't want to deal with a rebuild or any of that kind of stuff and it becomes annoying as a fan but you have to really look at the possibility that that could go down and i think one of the big things is especially for toronto fans could you ever see austin matthews playing on a different team and there's all these discussions that go on in the background of him going back home can you imagine that if he goes home meaning to the desert and he plays for the Coyotes. Not that the Coyotes wouldn't have him, because I'm sure they would. And what a publicity thing that would be for them to bring back the local boy who's oh also happens to be one of the best players in the league. Who collects coyotes? I don't know. Honestly, I, I think I've met one coyote collector. It's a serious coyotes collector. That's it. And you know, just like New York fans basically gave the middle finger to John Tavares when he left, I wouldn't surprise wouldn't surprise me in the least if Toronto fans didn't do the same thing with players leaving when it comes to collecting. What's your thought on that? On Austin Matthews, do you, do you think teams? he? Yeah, do you think he falls into that? He's immune to that, or do you think going to a small market, virtually? non-existent team practically at this point would affect yes i think it would i think it would i mean look like i brought up my bobby Orr example i think it would kind of apply there too i mean also it depends how well does he do with the coyotes do the coyotes become a contender do they win the stanley cup well that changes everything you know do they have other good sure. players do they become a dynasty do they become a powerhouse I mean, look at like the Penguins. The Penguins are an expansion team, but they're a popular team. Look at the Kings. The Kings also an expansion team, same same year, but they're like a powerful team, right? Like when people get all like high and mighty about original six, which is funny because, you know. Because they're not the original six. They're not the original six, but when they get all high and mighty about that. But I go, you know, there are other teams that are like really good. And so what? They're not as old as the Maple Leafs. I know you can't compare the Kings to the Maple Leafs, but okay, so let's not say the Maple Leafs. Let's say like the Rangers and the Kings. Those are two powerhouse teams in really huge markets, right? Or the Penguins and, oh, I don't know, the Avalanche, right? The Avalanche ain't going anywhere. If Austin Matthews went to the Avalanche, I think that would just make him more collectible because he went from one cool popular team to another cool popular team. And I think that's what it is. Again, a couple days before the national, or maybe that was at the draft. So that was earlier in the month, rather, when they had the NHL draft, when DeBrinkit was traded and he was traded to Ottawa. I was hoping he'd get traded to the Devils because that was a rumor. And I thought, okay, I have all these DeBrinkit cards. I have these DeBrinkit rookie cards. I have some DeBrinkit jersey cards. I have a DeBrinkit autograph. These are all cards in my collection, but I'm like, you know what? The Blackhawks trade him. I'm not going to collect his cards anymore. And if they trade him to the Devils, 
I'm going to take these cards to Atlantic City and sell them. And I was kind of hoping that he'd go to the Devils or the Flyers. I know that's greedy. Then he went to the Senators. And I'm like, oh, man. And I think I brought, like, some of his cards to sell. Nobody wanted them because, A, the Blackhawk fans don't want his cards because he's not with the Blackhawks anymore. And, B, the Senators fans, well, there weren't many of them walking around at the National in the United States. So... But if he went to the Maple Leafs, if he went to the Canadiens, if he went to the Devils or the Flyers or the Penguins or the Rangers or the Kings, yeah, it would have been kind of a big deal. So it absolutely matters where it lands. But then can that player transcend the team like Gretzky did with the Kings? The Kings were not a great team. And then they got Gretzky and then they became kind of a great team overnight because of Gretzky. But also they're a bigger market. So, you know, that's also part of your success. The more people that watch the team, the more people that can collect the cards, and that's what's going to drive up the value, the demand, whatever. We talked about it at the beginning of this conversation. The more people want this thing, the more collectible it becomes, and therefore the higher the value goes up. Well, in the in the case of Valet, it's not even just that there's a bigger market. You had a whole subsection of the population that jumped on board that has a lot of influence on others and that was all of hollywood mm-hmm. rallied rallied around the kings at that point in time and you know on any given night you could take a camera and just sweep the crowd and find you know movie star upon movie star and you know actors and actresses and directors and you know screenwriters and and musicians and just everybody was at those games you had to be seen at those games that was like the place to be and they turned it into like just a spectacle and that was what it was but it's funny you bring up the you bring up the senators uh, for the longest time the senators were i don't want to say they were a joke but there were many many seasons where the senators were not very competitive you know, for whatever reason that may be. A lot of fans blame management and stuff. Mm -hmm. And, you know, who knows going forward? The rumors are that, you know, Ryan Reynolds is going to get in onto ownership and stuff like that. But the Senators are a pretty exciting young team to watch nowadays. But probably for the last, I would say, like from 2004, well, that was lockout year, but you know, to that, let's say 2005, 2006, up until maybe 2018, mm-hmm. within that time frame, the only senator I ever heard any collector ever talk about was Eric Carlson. That was it. Of any senator. And what happened? He got dealt to the Sharks. Mm-hmm. He's playing above and beyond where he should be playing right now. I don't hear anybody talk about him other than the people talking about hockey and saying how well he's doing and stuff from a hobby standpoint. I don't hear a peep about Eric Carlson at all. So, I mean, there's, there's an example right there. You know, he's still a top player. I don't hear him in conversation. Well, the same is true for Brent Burns going from the sharks to the hurricanes. I honestly think it's that market. To be honest, I mean, really, Joe Thornton's one of the best, not like 
uber top tier, but he's up there as far as great players of yeah. of this past, you know, I would say this past 20 years. Yeah. He's up there. Yet I've run into two, maybe three people that really PC Joe Thornton in that last same time frame. There may be others out there that I don't know, but you know, those are the ones that I've run into. Is that because he was on an original six with quotes franchise and got moved to the Sharks? And now he's on San Jose, a team that pretty much most people ignored for the longest time until they sort of got good. Maybe. I don't know. Is that a Columbus team as far as hobby goes? Uh, If there's somebody on it, I don't want to collect them now. I think it depends on the player, though, because I think I think there were a lot more people collecting Brent Burns when he was on the Sharks. Granted, he was an all-star. He was one of the best defensemen in the league when he played with the Sharks. I think he still is where he's at now, but we haven't given that time to Mello. He's only been there for just this part of the season. Right. True. Very true. I mean, do we have a lot of cards with him in a... I imagine most of the newer ones that come out, but... Well, no, because we're still getting cards from last year and two years yeah. ago, so... I was going to say, like, OPG and MVP and those, I think he's still a shark. I, you know what caught me off guard was I was looking at preview images for the 22-23 artifacts, and they showed Marc-Andre Fleury with the Minnesota Wild, and I did a double-take. I'm like, wait, a Fleury Wild card? Oh, this is from 22-23, so it's going to have updated photos, because, you know, I'm still buying cards where he's pictured as a Blackhawk. Yeah. And do we further tier this by position, too? You know, does it affect goalies maybe less? Because goalie is such a popular position. Yeah, people are going to collect a goalie that they like because he's a goalie, or they're going to collect goalies because they collect goalies. But, again... Patrick Roy being that example of if you're successful, well, if you're a legendary player, you could be pictured with any team and people will buy your card. Collectors will want your card. Or if you had equal success, if you have quote unquote eras, right? Like you have like the Oilers era of Gretzky's career and the Kings era of Gretzky's career. Or I'll even give an example with my favorite player, Chris Chelios, right? I mean, he played for four NHL teams, but really I kind of break it down into three eras. With the Canadiens, he was a young star defenseman, you know, winning the Norris Trophy and was just like one of the rising stars of the NHL. And then when he played with the Blackhawks, he basically established himself as like the best defenseman for a while and definitely going to be in the Hall of Fame. And then when he was with the Red Wings, he was kind of like that older player. I mean, he was probably arguably the best number three defenseman in the league, right? Because by that point, he's in his 40s, but he's still contributing, you know? So it was just kind of adding to the legacy, right? And then the Atlanta Thrashers, less said about that, the better. But, you know, so like I collect all of his cards and I don't care what team he's pictured with. I will buy all of the cards, uh, as long as it pictures him, and if, if I can afford it, I'll buy it. Now, another example, I also collect Ed Belfour, and I collect Jeremy Roenick. Roenick, I won't break the bank on any of his cards, especially if he's pictured as a coyote or as a flyer or as a king or as a shark. Well, I kind of like them as the shark with the sharks. Like, I want his cards, and I'll buy them. But if somebody says, hey, I have this 1-1 card of Roenick, and it's uh, 
autographed and it pictures him with the Kings, I'll be like, eh, that's a pass. Same with Ed Belfour. Somebody very kindly offered to sell me some Ed Belfour cards. And I'm like, well, what do you want for them? And he told me, I said, no, thank you. I said, I like Belfour, but not enough to spend like $100 on a card where he's pictured with the Maple Leafs or whatever. For even worse, as a Florida Panther. How about that? Yeah. So, yeah. So, Ed Belfour. So, like, it just depends. But then, like, the two players that I focus on really hard are Chris Chelios. But there's other Chelios collectors. So, sometimes I just get outbid on stuff. And I go, all right, going to live without that card. And the other one is journeyman goaltender Carter Hutton, who I started following his career when he was, like, a backup with the Sharks. Because... They had a really nice article about him on the Sharks website. And I said, I like this guy. He's got a good attitude. He's been up in the league for two weeks, sitting on the bench, never getting to play in a game. And he didn't. They just called him up and sat him on the bench, and then they sent him back down. And then even his first year with the Blackhawks was that. He just played in Rockford, and then they called him up to put him on the bench and then sent him back down. So, you know, it took him like four years to just get one NHL game. Let's 9, 10, 10, 11, 11, 12. Yeah, the end of 12, 13, he got in his first game. So I've actually been collecting his cards. I can't remember if I started when he was signed with the Blackhawks or prior to that, because he didn't really have a lot of cards, even throughout his career. But, you know, he's somebody that I'll like chase after his cards. And I guess it didn't really matter what team he went to because I wasn't necessarily attached to any team that he played on except for the Blackhawks. But then he left after that one game. You know, he became a free agent. He got signed by the Predators. So it was just like, okay, whatever. Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves. I passively collect their cards, meaning if I come across a card of theirs that I don't have, I set it aside. If it's like something I pull from a pack, like an insert or an extra base card or whatever, or I'll trade somebody for their cards or I'll buy them if they're cheap, right? I won't break the bank on them. And I, all my player collections, I organize them by year, separate binder for each player, unless they don't have a lot of cards and I'll double up players in a binder. But I mean, I'd still collect Kane and Taves no matter what team they went on, but I wouldn't break the bank on any of their cards to begin with. And I guess that's the thing is uh, everybody kind of has like a threshold. A lot of collectors said that they would always say like, well, if it was cheap enough, I'd buy it. But I wouldn't spend a lot of money on a card picturing my favorite player with a different team that I don't necessarily like unless I got it for a good deal because it's only cards or, you know, I only have so much money to spend on them. And I think that's the beauty of this question and, and the object of this exercise. It's not so much the you know, we're trying to give the definitive be-all, end-all, yes, it does affect card pricing or value or popularity, or no, it doesn't, and here's why, and anybody that doesn't believe that is an idiot. That's not what we're doing here. The object of this is the essential theme of all of our shows, and that's collect what you want and collect what you like, because you can make it into whatever you want it to be. And I think us trying to, you know, get an idea of what other collectors think and, and how they view the same conundrum and get those differing opinions of, of what the best thing for them is versus somebody else. I think it's really interesting because we got to, I think we got a really good mix of responses on this. 
you know, again, the team collectors that are team first versus player collectors that follow the player versus player and team collectors that will only follow their player as long as they're with their team. And so you, you have all these different, you know, all these different viewpoints. And I think that's really, I think it's really cool to point that out because there is so much. And with it, you know, you, we see it now, you know, in today's NHL, like we brought up at the beginning of the show, in modern era, guys change teams a lot more frequently because of whatever it may be, salary cap, you know, what situations free agency wise, heck in the last 10 years, the focus on, you know, your life outside of hockey, you know, your family and what you do. And you may, in the case of Johnny hockey, he moved East because he wanted to be closer to family, regardless of what side you're on when it comes to how close he got besides the point, but he signed (laughs) somewhere closer to the East. So you know, you have all of these differing factors that go into that, and it's just interesting, you know. And again, you know, we've pointed out different scenarios where it works both ways. A player on one team is really popular, and lots of people collect, goes somewhere else, kind of fizzles out. It works the other way, too, like the John Tavares example, or a perfect example. Here's one we can talk about that's right in today's headlines, Tage Thompson. Mm-hmm. I mean... No one really talked about Tage Thompson, and then he shows up in Buffalo and lights the world on fire. And now everybody's hell-bent on Tage Thompson cards. Mm -hmm. Oh, by the way, his rookie cards, he's wearing a blues uniform. So you have that kind of stuff, too. So it's interesting. Like you said, there's no right or wrong answer here. There really isn't. It's more of a personal type thing. Like I said, I think this is the object of the exercise here, is to see what see what people think Mm -hmm. yeah like we said these responses in the interest of time we can't read them all but we're kind of all over the place you know there's no right or wrong answer like we said collect what you like and people like for whatever reason i mean i remember something you wrote maybe like 10 years ago it was one of your blog posts on the real dfg oh god and you were still writing your blog and (laughs) You were weighing the pros and cons of whether you were going to continue collecting Eric Tangrady cards, even Uh, though he had been traded away from uh, the Penguins. And I thought that was very interesting because the conclusion, and not to put words in your mouth, but the conclusion was, is you are a fan of the player, so you're going to continue to collect the player. Yes. And that is one of my few players that I continued to collect post-mortem after leaving the penguins and still do to this day obviously there aren't cards really made of him any longer so most of what i have to pick up is things that have already been created and and they're out there somewhere but uh yeah that was a perfect example of a guy that i kind of latched onto, and i don't want to say i was prospecting necessarily but i kind of was you know, he was a player that came over in the Chris Kunitz deal from Anaheim and then got dealt to the Jets. Mm-hmm. Do I want to collect Jets cards? No. Will I actively collect Jets cards? No. <laughs> but if they have Eric Tangrady on them, yes, they fit that bill. So he's an exception to my team first role. 
you know, obviously Garen, because I still collect Garen, and I won't talk about my secret collection of another player that plays in Minnesota. Mm. It's still kind of secret. Some people know about it. I know who you're talking about. Hmm? Kirill Kaprizov, of course. Um, close. I'll never tell. Probably that one Blackhawk goalie who won 500 games, not with the Blackhawks. Maybe. Maybe, yeah. That's another funny thing, too, is somebody mentioned uh, on Twitter, I think it was on Twitter, but they said they collect Marc-Andre Fleury, and they focus on Penguins cards, but they'll collect any card, but really the main focus is Fleury pictured as a member of the Penguins. And I said, well... Since Marc-Andre Fleury got his 500th win as a member of the Chicago Blackhawks, you kind of got to collect his Blackhawks cards as well, because that's when he set the milestone, which is kind of funny when that happens with like another team. Player scores 398 goals with one team and then gets his 399th and 400th goal with like another team that he's with for like five minutes or whatever, or gets his 500th win with a team that basically lost like more games than it won that year yeah that's a whole nother thing if it doesn't fit within your collection that way but maybe that's what you look for it's like oh well they broke this record and they or they did this or they had this milestone or whatever and then you kind of get sucked back into the well now i'm gonna have to collect these cards and i'm gonna have to collect these cards it's one of those never-ending struggles struggle well, you know- is real man that's a fun thing about fun thing though about card collecting. I mean, it is frustrating that there's so many cards that you really can't collect them all. But at the same time, because there's so many cards to collect, you can kind of make your own rules. Like 30 years ago, we bought the top set, we bought the Opeachy set. We kind of looked for other sets that we could find, you know, whether it was like a craft hockey set or panini sticker set or whatever you know what i mean you try to find all those other little one-offs right and then we had our explosion of hockey cards in the 90s where there were a lot of sets to collect but it was still pretty manageable and now it's like it's so hard to just get everything especially when you factor in all the short prints and the inserts that it's like every collector kind of has to make up their own rules for themselves and that's what makes it fun versus say like not saying that this isn't fun but like say collecting comic books right If you buy Spider-Man, you buy Spider-Man. You buy it every month. Maybe you buy the different Spider-Man comic books. Maybe you buy the comic books that he appears in in like crossovers or whatever. But it definitely seems a little more streamlined. Whereas here it's like, I collect hockey cards. What do you collect? Well, I collect this team and I collect this player. But not if he's with this team. Or, you know, I collect these cards, but not these cards. And so we kind of like get to make up our own ground rules as we go along. And that kind of makes it interesting. Your collection is whatever you make it. I mean, that's the easiest way to sum it up. We should probably wrap it up because I feel like we could talk about this until the start of the 23-24 season. Any last words you want to get in before we call it a show? Yeah, it's funny you brought up, you know, me making blog posts and stuff. And one that I talked about getting rid of Eric Tangrady as a collection. So you made me pull it up real quick and I'm flipping through it. I'm like, when did I do that? And I happened upon the May 12th, 2015 post. That was our very first podcast. Oh, really? (laughs) Yes. So that's how long this has been rolling. I just wanted to bring it up that I found that on here. (laughs) 
I thought it was funny. Right. Here it is, 2023. And we're still going. They haven't killed us yet. Nope. All right, then. I guess we should call it a show. So, thank you for listening to the Puck Junk Hockey Podcast. As always, if you've enjoyed our show, please be sure to like and subscribe. Please be sure to tell your hockey card collecting friends. And until next time, collect what you like. For more hockey goodness, follow us on Twitter at Puck Junk.